Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. So I don't know if you know much about the story of Jesus, but there's all of these years before he ever came to be Jesus the Messiah, known to throughout Judea, all of the lands. Like there's there's a lot of years of his life where his ministry was private, where his ministry was private before he ever started the miracles, the wonders, the signs, the the teachings, the the beautiful statements that are in the Bible. There are years where his ministry was private. And it was during that time where he even started getting his disciples, those 12 guys that we read, they started following him, but his ministry was private. And then there was one beautiful day in history where that private ministry went public. And it was in a very interesting scene. It was in a very neat space. And I'm really excited because that's what we're going to talk about. There's this one pivotal moment when Jesus' private ministry goes public. And what happens that day changes the trajectory of everything Jesus is going to do. It like paves the, the way of what his ministry will be like versus anything else. And I'm going to tell you, I am so excited. If you know the story of when Jesus transforms the water to the wine... That's what we're diving in this morning. But let me just set the scene for you, because in that place, it was a wedding feast, there was a pretty diverse crowd. And I don't think we realize this, but odds are you've never been to a Jewish uh, wedding. But let me just tell you, they know how to party, and there's always a whole lot of wine, and it's just constantly going on and on and on and on, and there's a whole lot, whole lot of, a whole lot of things. One that you would know is that they would hire on extra help in most cases, they weren't Jewish, and so there would be different religions, different ethnicities, different backgrounds already, and they would have hired on extra help for a wedding. Because you're going to feed people, you're going to dine in. There's people traveling from far and near to celebrate a couple, and they're so excited. There's, there's people that don't know each other. There's people that come because they hope there's free food involved. There's people who are there. They just want something to do that night. They're gonna, they just want to dance and meet someone. There's a lot of things going on, different motives, different reasonings, and the room is packed. A whole lot of different ages, a whole lot of different upbringings, and they're there. And it's in that space that Jesus decides to go public in a way that is very different, and it sets the scene for who he is going to be. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but I'm going to connect the dots for you, because today is the moment when Glory Church's private ministry goes public. It is the moment when all that we have done in the background, and I get chills thinking about it because all the sleepless nights, the crying, the, the are we doing the right thing, I moved my family of four all up here, we, we left everything we knew, it wasn't the right thing, and year went by, and God started growing a team, and though we had disciples, we had people who got the vision, it was so private. Until the moment today when this private ministry goes public. And I, I fully believe that just like that scenario, what will happen in a year will make what happens today even more powerful. What will happen in two years will make what happens today even more powerful. Just like Jesus with the cross, they had no idea that what was happening at that wedding would make some powerful changes for what will come. And so I'm so excited, but what I also know is that the room right now is just as diverse as that wedding. There are people who traveled far and wide just to celebrate a couple. 
right? Let me just draw those, those connections for you. There, there are people who don't even, you don't even know why you're here, and a friend invited you, you had a free time, you're hoping there's free food. Um, I promise you, we will have that. Uh, you, some of you, you, you're just here, and you don't really know why. Others of you, you're, you're bought in uh, to this idea of Jesus. You've been praying for a church, and so you're giving this a try. But one thing I do know is there's all ages, all backgrounds, all upbringings, all belief systems in this room, and it is in this room that I know God has called Glory Church to go public. And so I'm excited. I'm honored. I am so ready. And I do not think that you're here for a, like, just a coincidence. In fact, your background, your story, your fears, your doubts, your worries, your history, I believe that God wants to speak to you in them. This morning, right now. So regardless of your beliefs, can we just, like, let's just give... God a chance for the next 20 minutes to show us something through this text. I'm going to pray and then we're going to read it. It'll be up here. It'll always be up there. You can bring your Bibles if, you, if you're one of those people that is amazing. If you like a Bible app, you could do that each week. If you're note takers, I love making statements that you can write down. So we'll get this going. And I'm so honored. Jesus, thank you so much for this room. I thank you for the people in it. I thank you that there are people who drove far and wide to celebrate a couple. I thank you that there are people who are giving you one last shot in this room. I thank you that there are people who have an idea of who you are, yet you are going to hopefully expand it. So Jesus, teach us. Let us feel your presence greater than any personality I can bring. In your name, amen. So we're going to open up John chapter 2, and we're going to be reading 11 verses from it. All right, John chapter 2. And scripture says this, that on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. I'm going to get off this so that those of you who need to read it, you can. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that of you and to me? My, not, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I don't really know what happened in that time, but something happened to where Jesus' mom looks at the servants and says, do whatever he says, and then she leaves. She just leaves. She handed over the baton. And so it said, he said to them, uh, right next to them, were, were standing some six stone jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water, that had become wine. It did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The steward called to the bridegroom and said, everyone serves good wine at the beginning. And then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine, the best wine until now. And it says, Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This is the moment when his private ministry went public, and he revealed his glory. That's one of my prayers, that God reveals his glory this morning. So this is the scene. No more wine at the wedding. And you and I may be like, well, that's expensive anyways, and so I don't really like 
they may want wine, but come on, that's, we're not going to have wine at my wedding because blah, blah, blah. Well, this is a big deal in the Jewish tradition. The Jewish culture, every now and then they would hold the glass up, and if you did not have anything in there, you couldn't obviously do the cheers that was about to go on. And this was a big deal. And unlike our weddings, uh, where if you're a, a dad of a little girl and you're like, oh, she's going to get married and I'm going to have to pay for it. It was the other way around. The, brought, the groom's family did it. And if the wine ran out, dishonor on the whole family. If the wine ran out, this was a big deal. The party ended. All right, Chiefs fans, it's like this. Last week, <laughs> last week, Six minutes left on the game. You all know what happens. But in this scenario, you wouldn't because your TV goes out. And you're throwing a party and your TV goes out. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your family. Dishonor on your inability to pay the bills. Dishonor. Everyone's leaving. It's the same scenario. The wine runs out no more. And so for some reason, Jesus' mom comes to him and says, I need you. And, and I don't know what happened, but he does the unthinkable, and water turns into wine. But let me tell you, it's the how that I want to hit at. He could have just kept doing the whole, like, raising his hands, and everyone's cup just kept getting full. And it just kept getting full. But no, he chose something different. He chose these purification jars. I know you've probably heard this story before, but let's just dive into this. He chose purification jars. These were very needed. If you were going to be a good Jew and eat good food and be clean and doing it, ceremonially clean and eating it, you had to wash your hands in order for that to be done. In fact, these ceremonial jars were all over. It was a law. If you were going to be ceremonially fit to dine, you needed to do this. And over time, these jars became very big symbols of avenues to become clean. In fact, there was this, this saying that went around the Jewish tradition that the more times you wash, the more prosperity would come to you. As if that happens, right? We know, we, we, we put our, our big boy brains on, we know that washing my hands does nothing to my heart. But that became, what they, that, that became the belief that they had, that they would become clean by the washing through these purification jars because they were prayed over. They were clean. They were, be to, they were to be clean in that way. And so they would be ceremonially clean, obviously, until the next ceremony would take place. Until the next ceremony. But i got to tell you, this is the same mindset that has us feeling like we need to dress up to go into a place of worship. And I get it. Sometimes that's to, to be honored. But at times it's because we're afraid to be seen as anything but clean. That's why I, I was like, uh, is, this, is this too dressy? Is this not dressy enough for people to be like, you're not a pastor? Or people, and, and that's why we, we get into some ideas of, of I have to make my wedding, my, my, my marriage, my, my life, my Instagram, my social media, I got to make all of this look clean. And that will show that I am clean. My kids, they have to look well. Our family has to look well, and it's that idea of ceremonially clean as if that affects our hearts or our lives or our real fears, and they're untouched and left. And so we can go our whole day with looking clean, but going to bed and just feeling worthless, without purpose. This is the mindset that Jesus, his whole ministry, shattered again and again and again, and he did it on day one where he took these purification jars and gave them a new purpose. 
He took these purification jars and gave them a new purpose. And I'm going to tell you it's a scandalous statement that Jesus made. Because if the steward had known that he used those jars, that would have been degrading. These jars were not to hold wine. They were to hold water that had been prayed over. Water that would be cleansing. And so Jesus does this in an amazing way. He shows that his ministry overcomes ritual all the time. How many times do you and I get in the habit of, of doing things that we think will become, make us better, but it actually never gets in our heart? Ritual. Jesus' ministry is going to overcome ritual. Jesus' ministry of grace and transformation, he's going to show that it extends further than obligation. This is the statements that he's making at the very beginning. What I'm going to bring is way more than just this obligation of being clean. Becoming clean before you can. X, Y, Z. My ministry is going to look different, and this is my favorite. His ministry, he was going to show that it changes the substance of a man. That's something that I don't think we recognize. Because when it comes to being ceremonially clean, you can't be ceremonially clean when you do ministry and touch a leper in this day and age. You can't be ceremonially clean as you dine with a tax collector. This is the ministry that Jesus is going to live and he starts at day one. It's not about being ceremonially clean. It's about having a substance change. And so you cannot be clean when you forgive an adulterous woman. You cannot be ceremonially clean as you live and, and act with the addicts, people who are struggling. You can't be ceremonially clean as a religious law said you were supposed to be if you were with the sinners. And Jesus is turning that on, on its head at the very beginning. From water came wine. From something that is dead, and though there may be living organisms in water, dead turns to something alive, where the literal basic makeup of wine is alive, fermenting. From legalism, he would bring grace. From ceremonially clean, on the cross he would bring forever changed. And this is something he starts at the beginning. At the very beginning, from the fear of being disgraced or the fear of having uh, no purpose, no hope, no life, he would bring an abundance. And in that room, an abundance happened. The story said that, that they passed out the wine and that everyone tasted it and they're like, whoa. People typically serve the best at the beginning, but this is amazing and it's at the end. It was an abundance blessing to all and it didn't make sense. The steward, is, he was, the master of the feast was so confused. This is countercultural. That, that what you bring is so different. It's like when Jesus would later sit on the, the, the mound and say, you know, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye. But I say to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. Where Jesus says, blessed are the meek. You've heard it say that power is where, when the Jews will triumph. I say, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. This is very countercultural, and Jesus began at the very beginning. It is not, does not make sense to have the best in this setting. And he would say, I, would, I will bring my people to be in a place where it, seal, it feels like all hope is lost. They're in the valley of the darkest shadows of death, and yet they do not fear. Why? Because I come and what I do may not fit the setting in the world sense. It may not make sense, but it is abundant and blessing. 
and it's good and glorious. This is the ministry that Jesus had, and it's one of life change. I speak this ministry over Glory Church. I speak it. Because I'm going to tell you, Kansas City does not need another church, another place, another voice, we can just say. Another voice that gives lists of how to be clean. Without any hope of it remaining consistent. We don't need another voice in our lives of, of do X, Y, and Z to get fit. Or uh, do uh, another voice in our life to say this is what you have to do in order to have a valid relationship or the, the, an, a good family or a high-paying job. We just need a God who transforms, who changes. I want a church that is a, a ministry of transformation. And that is the ministry that Jesus began on day one. And that's this one I'm speaking over Glory Church. Whether you're going to be a part of it or not, what I know to be true is that there is no ceremonially clean needs here. God is a transforming God and that will always look different than we think. And the best part is that people start getting curious about it. They want to know, where did this come from? How are they able to do that? Where's that hope from? Where's that peace from? That's different than I know. It's because... It's from a heart that is transformed, not a life that keeps seeking to be clean on the outside, to look pretty on the outside. I wrote this down, a life of transformation will not always look clean. A life of transformation is not going to always look clean, and in our American church, we forget that often. We expect people to be clean and transform as they are clean, and that's not the way people get clean in a way that's very different than we like to think. Their souls are redeemed, but let me tell you, they still have wrong beliefs that got to get changed. Their souls are redeemed, but they still have habits, and they're still built-in systems of injustice in their own life that they have to work through, and so transformation is not ceremonially clean. Transformation is dirty, and it's hard, and it's it's harmful at times, and it feels prodding, and it feels like you're getting pushed, or, or that you're getting silenced, or that you're, you're getting stretched, and that is the church, the ministry that, that Jesus began on day one. It's not going to be ceremonially clean. I'm going to serve with disciples, he knew, who are just not going to get it. They're just not going to get it. They're going to think they know me. They're going to have me in their lives, in their hearts. They're going to be redeemed, but they're still going to have doubts. They're still going to have habits. They're still going to have lies they, that they believe. But they are redeemed, and I will use them through it. So I'm going to tell you, if you are looking for a church that will make you ceremonially clean on the outside, Glory Church isn't it. But if you want a place where you can live life with people as we transform into the image of God and live life with, and that's dirty, but yet when you're in your darkest place, people pray over you and pray with you and get, get down in the dirty with you, I'm going to invite you to be with Glory Church. And so in this room, I believe that God is speaking something. Because there's some of you who have known Jesus for years, maybe decades but let me tell you, maybe over time, you've become so clouded with the now, with, with, with getting your daughter into college, or, or the finances, or the fears of life, or, or just how, how burdened or how hardened you see the city become, and you just become clouded of it, and you've been forgetful of the life, the new change that happened long ago. 
Can I just tell you that Jesus is speaking something into your heart? Glory Church team who helped me out this morning, who helped us out and set this up, Jesus is speaking something in your heart. And I believe with all authority and, and very, very huge amount of boldness, he's saying the exact same thing he told those servants that first day. Now draw some out and go. I'm going to be honest. Some of you have known Christ for decades. Your faith has become timid. Draw some out and go. Because at the expense of your neighborhood, you need to go. People need to see the blessing. At the expense of your, your adult children, you need to go. They need to see the connection of the dots of your life that is transformed. At the expense of, of your, your, your marriage, your spouse, your friends, they need to see you draw out and go. Don't be timid. I'm going to tell you, as a parent, this is the hardest thing that often I am the most kind, most patient, most hospitable to everyone outside of my home. But your kids need you to draw out and go. They need to see that you, you care way more about a life that is being transformed than you do about them getting their hands washed and being on time at everything and, and you being, being attractive and taking all your time in the mirror, whatever. I'm, I'm amazed at how many times my kids know exactly what to do with my phone. It's because they see me do it. And, and it's so hard. To, it's so humbling. But our, our, the people around us, they need us. They need us to show in all sincerity the life of transformation that we have. And we are doing a dishonor to our neighborhood. I love this. Um, this imagery of Jesus saying, now draw some out and go because they're about to discover that there's no more wine and a disgrace is about to happen. A disgrace, but you have the ability to stop it. Can I tell you that there's a disgrace happening, being spoken in your family, on your street, in our city, and we have the ability to show hope, but we often just stay seated. There's disgrace being spoken. Even my six-year-old daughter already has lies about her body, already believes lies about, about how, what her value is or what her beauty is, and, and there's a disgrace being spoken. If we do not draw some out and go, it's going to remain. Believers in the room, we need to do that. But I would do dishonor to this text. I would do complete dishonor to this text if I didn't talk about the jars. Because in this room, also, are people whose hearts literally mirror the hardened jars that was before Jesus that day. Where you may know the idea of Jesus but it has been nothing but trying and striving and achieving and feeling like you're always less than. This, this story is for you. It is hope that you do not have to keep putting on a display, but hope that you have a God who changes the very substance that you are afraid is ugly. The very substance that you are afraid is worthless, without purpose, without meaning. And often we try and try and try and put on this facade of strength and courage. And yet, you know. It doesn't feel it. You don't feel it in the end. And so I'm actually going to invite, and this is where I want to want to end this morning out. I'm going to invite the band up because what I do know is that there is a God who, who saw those jars as needing more spoken over them than just jars. He sees hearts. 
that need more spoken over them than just hearts of stone, than just what you believe, that you're worthless, that you don't have a point, a purpose, that you have to try or achieve. And so I know that to be true. But maybe for the first time you're starting to get an idea of who Jesus is and who church is and what uh, who the church is in a very beautiful way and it's transformed how you thought it was. And maybe for the first time you're wanting in on that. I'm just going to ask us all to just bow our heads and we're going to pray together. Jesus, I know that you are in this place and in this room and you are mighty and holy and redeemed. You led a ministry that was very different than we had ever expected, that the Jews ever had expected. And it was one not of being ceremonially clean, but one that gave people a purpose. So in this room, I fully believe, are people whose hearts are as hardened as those jars were. And they could put on the makeup, they could put on the, the display, they could put on the scene, but if we are honest with ourselves, just keep feeling like we're hitting a wall. Friend, can I tell you, if that is you, you're not alone. And in fact, I want to give you this morning the start of the public ministry of Glory Church, an opportunity to take a step of faith. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.